Welcome to Open All Ours. Um, sort of the final weekend lockdown episodes. Uh, we've already decided we weren't recording this on video, um, but Clive has already um, put his hands above his head and celebrated the fact that we're coming to the end of this period. So maybe we should revise that decision. Um, I'm David Fraser. There are four of us on the podcast today. So we have In a Shirt from somewhere in North London, we have Clive Whittingham. Hello, Clive. Hello, yeah. Don't ask me to stand up. Well, I have not worn a shirt since March the 16th. Why are you in one this morning? Uh, this was a very last-minute uh, grab out of the wardrobe when I realised what time it was. And, uh, yeah, it's a new fashion trend that I'm starting, a shirt and duvet combination. Like I say, as long as I stay sitting down, it's going to be fine. Well, you've got quite a serious job, don't you? So you have to probably wear those things for lots of calls so they're, they're easily accessible. I am sick of Zoom calls. Very good. Uh, also, Paul Finney is here. Hello, Paul. Hello, it's me here. So it is. How are you? Not wearing a shirt, wearing just a plain white T-shirt if we're going to go it's around not, everyone. It's um, Princess Leah as David Bowie in Rebel Rebel, actually. Very good. And the last time I wore a shirt, I was in court. No surprise there, but I was doing jury service. <laughs> Very good. Uh, also wearing a white T-shirt. And Flo has this sort of professional-looking studio microphone thing in front of her face as well. It's Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Hi, Flo. Hello, hello. Yeah, I give the impression that's professional, but it's very much not. And Finney, I did jury service too a couple of years ago, but I did not wear a suit. So good on you for dressing up. Cause, uh, I, I didn't think say I wore a suit. I wore a shirt. Not a, a, sh- a shirt. A I shirt. don't have a suit. I don't know what a suit looks like. I would I love know. to do jury service. I had, I had to do it on my birthday, which wasn't exactly, you know, like a dream scenario. But it was, it was, it was all right. A two weeks, um, fairly basic cases. It just made me like hate the criminal justice system. If you needed to do that anymore, but it just made you realise that it's set up not to really serve. Did anyone, you hate your other jurors, especially women? Uh, no, the other jurors were actually really, really nice and really interesting and we all got along really well there wasn't anyone who you thought oh he's you know he, they're, they're a bit weird um i got, I got a, a good good bunch and they bought me a birthday cake which was very nice i got oh. into trouble because i, I why what did you do because i ended up as foreman of the jury hello yeah, of course you did. you did yeah <laughs> but there's one person i i, I let I, I demanded to be let off really really early because his daughter was absolutely stunning and i was into indie music oh, at the time which looked like this oh, as, so she got off and then i gave the verdict and i said to your man the judge he said what you? and i said not guilty and he looked at me and i went i know i'm as surprised as you are because <laughs> <laughs> they were as guilty as sin and we're just too many do-gooders on the jury who just were like the only, oh, the, the only dodgy thing we had was that ours was in hounslow and i had to get the train there and um me and another guy lived quite close to each other, so we got the train back, and we kept seeing the people who were basically yeah. being trialled on our train, and one of the guys we were on the case for, and we had to basically just like pretend we didn't know him, and he was giving us a lot of dodgy... I, I, I appreciate this is not a criminal podcast, but in my vague <laughs> attempt at trying to steer it back to football, I have always like felt like being on a jury is probably a bit like picking a fantasy football team, in that 
you're with like 12, 11, 12 other people and you're just trying to find like one little angle why you're a little <laughs> bit cleverer than them. No. Not really. No, no. I'm just maybe I'm we the... can start. A, maybe we can start our own true crime podcast, Finny. Sounds like you know. Sounds well, like my theory was, was was like twelve angry boars, because and then one guy he went. This, this is all going to say last thing. He, he he asked what if they drove and had a car, and everyone who said yes, he ignored and blanked throughout the eight week trial. Very I'm strange. Just... The horror, the horror of getting up in the dark. I mean, that, that would be terrible enough anyway. Not something I've experienced yet. Um, but the horror of getting up in the dock and realizing that the jury form the foreman is Finney, I just, that's going to keep me awake at night. Let's move on with the football. Um, we've got a sponsor for the podcast today. Excellent. Yes, this is John. I can't find his surname. John Wood. John Wood. John Wood has sponsored us. And he sends this message. Keep up the excellent work. I'm raising money for the NHS by doing something totally useless and wearing a different QPR shirt every day during lockdown up to our next game on the 20th of June. I've seen this guy on, on social media. I'm posting the pictures on the optimistic QPR supporters Facebook page daily. That's over 80 shirts from my collection. That is, according to my wife, very sad for a 56-year-old man. Please ask the listeners to donate if they can. My daughter works in the NHS and I know how much any amount will be needed and appreciated. If you go to Just Giving, I think it's justgiving.com slash fundraising slash John hyphen Woods 74. We'll try and tweet that link. Thank you, John. I'm presuming he sponsored us with his own 20 quid and not the 20 quid that someone has sponsored him. No, because I'd be wrong. Well done, John. No, that's brilliant. ATQPR shirts, that's amazing. I feel like that's maybe only our second sponsor in lockdown. So thanks, John. We hadn't had a lot of those in lockdown. No. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we need some more sponsors because it's a great time to get to know our audience as well and find out what they're doing. So No footer, no sponsors. It's just like the real world. So, Well, this is... So, so Clive is in charge of Zoom meeting scheduling. Uh, during this period and when I was kind of dialing into the zoom I saw he had called this meeting super Saturday summer season preview which is which is which is good which I think is the title of our podcast for sure um, and that sort of sets the scene for probably what we're going to talk about so I mean we're, we're very disorganized about these things we haven't properly talked about it but this will be our last weekend Saturday recording and then we'll probably do a preview this week and then get back to doing the post-game ones um, after about 12 or 13 or whatever it is of these. Um, But sort of quite a lot to go through. So a week today, uh, we're returning. Has has everyone sorted out their, filled in their survey monkey form through the club? Uh, Flo is shaking her head. Let me take this opportunity to tell you, Flo, the deadline, I believe, is I today, 5pm. No, it's, I thought it was Sunday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Sunday. It's getting complicated because I emailed the club because I wasn't sure if under-18 season tickets, my little brothers got the login. They do. So if anyone was wondering, they do. Um, problem is, it's becoming a bit of a faff because my younger brothers don't have accounts on the website because I sort out all the admin for the season tickets. On like and link everyone's client reference numbers. This is very boring admin yeah. chat. So I'm preempting a kind of loophole in the system where 
they won't get logins because they they won't get logins sent to them because they don't have an email registered on the QBR system. So I'm trying to hurry them along. They're 16 and 18 to say, come on, guys, you've got to set up a QPR account, link it to your season tickets. Otherwise, you're not going to get a login. So I'm basically having to be a bit of a nag in the family WhatsApp group. And it's not got, got me very far. I feel like there's a little bit of hassle coming for everyone. Yeah. With this. And I'm not sure it's the greatest idea to have 20 20 fi- no how many fixtures would it be 12, 13 championship fixtures all on the same day all at the same time i believe or more or less at the same time with thousands of football fans doing something they've never done before next saturday i mean it's got technical meltdown written all over it hasn't it or am i being one of those pessimistic i think it does and i think there's there's history there as well with the with the tech not working and it's just a reality of streaming in football is that it never quite goes well when you when you step kind of towards the lower leagues. I do hope they've I do hope they've they've tested it in whatever way they can because I don't know how many people usually watch our stream you know probably a, a thousand or so or so. Yeah it's a lot of people in game. Australia. I remember when they looked at the data there's like maybe a thousand people in Australia that watch it and a wow. couple of people But they've been getting they've been getting, you know, some of the viewing figures for us, the club Saturday night quiz have been absolutely amazing. And if that, if that number are going to try and tune into the match all at once next week, I, I hope they've tested it. That's all I'm going to say. But this, the system's being flawed many times just with the small sponsorship, isn't it? So mm. I wonder if the EFL are going to hire a company to, to organize it all, because if it breaks down halfway through, there's going to be absolute meltdown. Does that think- sound like something the EFL would do? Isn't it Absolutely all not. done through one central company? Clive, I'm looking yeah. at you. I'm hoping that I know people don't think you do have a day job, but isn't your day job in telly stuff? So, uh, yeah, so um, the, the club used to do it themselves with their own production company and, uh, and all of that. It's since been taken back in-house by the league um, who film each game with four cameras and then sell the footage yeah, you basically back, buy to, it off back them. to each club. You buy it off, you buy the footage off the uh, EFL for 800 and something pounds a, a match, I think. So yeah, it is all centralized through the EFL. I didn't know you had to pay for it yourself. That's mad. Yeah. The clubs. Well, buy it, the, it works out. It works out much cheaper because they get much better quality coverage oh, yeah, for, it, it's much more cost effective. It's just frustrating because obviously like you're relying on them to, get it right or to you know get the get the tech right or whatever so it's kind of out of your hands but it is more cost effective for the clubs in the long run who normally does the commentary for qpr then clive is it nick london and And Andy 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 yeah yeah exactly yeah okay so no i was just gonna say like hopefully it'll work but if it breaks down there's gonna be i mean can you imagine that the the fan and the shit will hit that one if if it goes wrong which it most definitely will so yeah, think... and people people just need to be patient, you know. Like it's all it's new for everyone. Mo, like the good thing is, is that all these clubs would have already d- been doing the I, I I follow system, so it's not completely new. It's just can it cope with the demand? And I guess we're going to find out. So I understand. I've been told that the club are a little bit worried about this, and they're going to like they're going to encourage everybody to get themselves registered as early as possible this week to sort of. Do testing, not like not having a bottleneck on Saturday at two o'clock. I think the message is very much going to be like get yourself sorted. 
and also make sure your own internet is sorted because I think a lot of the problems that usually occurred on a match day, I think as many of them are down to people's own internet as anything else. But it'll be fun. Listen, it's, it's, I'm, I'm I'm in a bit of a dilemma actually, guys. I wonder if you can help me out. Do we keep up with our traditions? Anyone that knows me knows I'm always late for kickoff. How do you become late for kickoff in your own house? You just like mess about. You just mess about trying to get the the like login in. You mess up trying to get the stream. No, I think you're going to do that anyway. I think you're going to do no. that anyway, Finney. So I no, it's worry. not that simple. I, I have a chat with someone outside the stairs. I have a chat with someone outside the toilet, and then chat to someone while I'm getting the coffee. And that's a bit. I'm always late, or I'll just stay in the the uh, crowd scepter or whatever I am, and um, stand up the road really slowly. Yeah, so I'm going to have to take like 10 walks around the block or something. I'm sure you'll manage it. Actually, has, has anyone got any pre-match, seriously, has anyone actually got any pre-match thing that they do, routine, that they think brings them luck? Because in 35 years, I'm still searching. It's the turnstile. My, my dad huh? used to buy, always buy something from Jon Snow, the newsagents on Oxford Road. But that that tradition has died out now because... Just can't be asked. <laughs> I didn't didn't bring you good luck, so smash through so? fourteen tend to smash through fourteen peronies before we get started. I don't know whether that's for luck or, or just to get through the game, but I'm I'm happy to keep that tradition going next week. You must have saved a fortune in lockdown, Clive, by not <laughs> spending that at the pub. Yeah, I have actually. It's been um alarming. Let's get how much money has uh uh, not been going that the equivalent way. of what a smoker spends, you know, <laughs> in a week. Yeah, fourteen is a very specific number, Clive, as well. Uh, yeah, a lucky like, number. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's three an hour for however many hours it is, or something. I don't know. Very good. Um, okay, what to go on to? Does anybody know what happened with the West Ham friendly this week? Both clubs. Uh, we were lost. Quiet. I mean, my favourite, my favourite uh, one with this was QPR Twitter whipping itself up into this rumour that Eze had played one half for us and one half for West Ham and scored for West Ham, which is why the club are keeping it under wraps. I mean, some people seem to actually be believing that at one point this week. Uh, we lost four-one. Chair scored. Um, the, they played 45 minutes, then had a break, then played 20 minutes and had another break and then played another 20 minutes. So it really did put the training into the training match, I think. Um, and also put Twitter into training for uh, a meltdown, by the looks of it. Yeah, I just I don't get the obsession with what, what was the score, what was the score. There was this huge sort of, you know, it was literally, it was a training game. Um, Brentford winning, me, Brentford winning at Arsenal doesn't help, obviously. Um, but yeah, you know, for what it's worth, I think we lost 4-1 and chair scored. But does it, I mean, the thing is, is it, you know, I was thinking about this and it, it, it's going to be new for everyone. I'm watching the Bundesliga and everything else. It's going to take a while. So, I mean, even if we do lose to Barnsley, which is possible because no one knows what's going to happen. Just, I hope there's not a mad meltdown because this is all new for everyone and we, we need to be patient and give it time. But yeah, if a friend needs anything to go by, you'll be, I'll be switching off Twitter straight after the game, I think. Well, it sounds like it was very much, it sounds like it was not a friendly, it was a training match. Yeah, of course it was. These things are held um, refereed by coaching staff, aren't they? And if you're playing it in thirds rather than halves, I mean, and 20, did I see 23 players played? So it's, it's a run out, isn't it? Brentford yeah. beat Arsenal in there uh, behind closed doors, friendly. Yeah, that doesn't help, does it? When they, when they go and do that, that just, it just three, whips three, everyone two. up. 
<laughs> Arsenal also smashed Ch- uh, Charlton 6-0, I think. I saw in one of the games as well. And now uh, um, I saw this morning on Twitter, Lyle Taylor's now said that he will be playing uh, for Charlton after talks with Lee Bowyer Lee about that. So um, it's interesting. I've, I, we had a little um, Zoom on Monday, the BBC London team, um, like a pre discussion about whether we're going to be covering games because still no one really knows but Paul Parker was on there and we were having a chat about um and there are a couple of other like ex-pros who do the summarizing and we were talking about the the Lyle Taylor situation and it's interesting because pretty much all the ex-pros were pretty sure that they you know I mean in hindsight it's great but they would uh, would all be pretty cheesed off with his decision um because I thought there'd be more sympathies of, you know, how I saw it, which in a way is like, you've only got 15 years to earn earn your money. He's 30 years old. This is the biggest opportunity of his career. He needs to cash in. But most of them were saying, you know, it's complete disrespect for the team. You're in a relegation dogfight, et cetera, et cetera. So I was surprised at that. And it seems like other players agree. But obviously it's easy to say that when you've got your career behind you and you're not, you know, 30 years old and got one last payday, basically. I, I listened to a debate on it on Radio 5 Live and, and, and pretty much when whatever Robbie Savage says is the view that you shouldn't take on these things. <laughs> I think. What was his view? Well, he's always with the players, isn't he? He's always yeah. with the players. Um, and his view was like, there's no loyalty towards players from clubs, which is a point. Um, and so he should be allowed to do what he wants. And I guess in our situation, that would be if, if Grant Hall was to turn around and say that he wasn't playing. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand where the uh, grey area is though. If you've got a contract till the thirtieth of June, you have to fulfil it until the thirtieth of June. What happens after that, and whether there's an arrangement after that, is one other thing. But the guy's breaking his contract, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the power, the power is all with the players, isn't it? If the player turns around and says, "I'm not going to play," you can't physically drag them out there and make them make them perform. You know, the power, the powers with the players. I, I obviously wasn't on last week with um, with Les and Chris. I did find the Grant Hall stuff quite interesting, and there's been a thread on on our message boards um, this week about it. About you know exactly how whether we would miss him that much and also you know unless we've made a seriously derisory contract offer I'm not quite sure where sort of injury prone 28 year old steady championship centre-back thinks there's going to be a big market for him this summer given everything that's gone on you know and like I say maybe we've made him a really derisory offer but I'm, I'm fascinated to know where Grant Hall thinks he'll get sort of better offers with uh, with everything that's gone on um and yeah it was, it. it was by far the most kind of not controversial but it was by far the biggest talking point last week on twitter as well people were really surprised at that just like you said clive because he's barely played that many games for how long he's been at the club this has been by far his best season best like career goal tally um and it seems like you know he's just had a kid it seems like the perfect opportunity to bed down for another three or four years and cash in. So I'm very surprised if he thinks he's going to get much elsewhere. Well, I suspect we've offered much less than he's on because if you think when we signed him, we'd just come out of the Premier League, we had maximum parachute payments. He was coming from Tottenham. So I bet he's on a good wedge. But I think with him and Leishner, and I don't want to, to diss either of them really because I, I, I quite like both of them. They, you know, they're steady championship centre-halves. But, you know centre-halves aren't particularly in short supply. 
And I just, you know, the wages that that could potentially free up for us, I, I think with all the free agents there's going to be kicking around, if we can't find two centre-backs sort of at least as good as, and if not better than Leisner and Hall for the for less money than those two are on, then you, you've got to be asking questions, really. I think the thing about Leicester is that I, I get it. The manager never fancied him. You could, you could tell that from when he, when he came. And that's fine. That happens. Uh, going back to player loyalty, it's kind of weird. If, if players deferred wages and took a pay cut during the lockdown, I would understand it more than if they turned around and said, look, I've been decent with you. My contract's up. Can you play fair with me? But in the case of Hall, I would suggest if I was him, staying at QPR for another season would help him. But... We've got Haven't you all taken a pay cut. Haven't all the players taken a pay? No, deferral. It's a deferral. Yeah, I'm fascinated. Yeah. I am fascinated to see how this all shakes down. Like player values, transfer fees, contracts, wages. You know which way it all goes. Whether you know football's going to get its house in order, and you know how much players are going to be worth and and be able to earn in the aftermath of this. I think it's going to be because I, I like I say I look at Grant Hall and think really what. Where else are you going to get better than, than we're offering? But, you know, maybe I'm going to be wrong on that. Well, I, I, only a few minutes ago, you said with Lyle Taylor that the power is in the hands of the players. And that may be the case with Lyle Taylor. But I, I wonder, in examples like Grant Hall, actually, if that is shifting. And actually, oh, if his, his power in this situation is... It's almost the worst time for someone like him to renegotiate a contract. Well, Les did say last week as well that he he's seeing it that the transfer fees aren't going to change, but the wages are where are where we'll see where we'll see things move. Which in our case is probably quite good because we're continuously trying to trim that fat. But then it's obviously hard to bring new players in. I, there was a report yesterday that Deloitte released, kind of looking at the Championship eighteen nineteen figures, and unsurprisingly, you know, we know that the Championship's been moving to a kind of in and out policy in a sense that everything the clubs bring in, they spend out straight away through through wages and the Premier League's getting to that stage too. Um, and we know that coronavirus has kind of put everyone on a knife edge. But I think what was kind of the most worrying thing out of their report was the fact that 24 teams in uh, made 21% of their revenue from match day income. So going forward, when you know people have been always talking about League One and League Two, where that match day revenue is going to really, really hurt. But I think the championship, you know, clubs need to be smart and hopefully they will be and think what, you know, football is going to be like with no fans, a.k.a., you know, you know, up to, they said, 165 million across the championship loss in match day revenue. You need to think about that and not kind of go all guns blazing this summer, even if you are, even if you are selling assets. It's because, you know... We could be, I know we got about four million quid when we had that FA Cup game, but let's say we lose three million quid if next season if we're not going to have season tickets. That's a lot to lose. Going back to the players, though, I think with um, with Hall, yeah, he's in a dodgy wicket. He needs to get himself sorted, get himself fit, have one good season. And then if he leaves, everyone shakes him by the hand. But it's, it's not good when you're captain. Um, the one that everyone else is looking for on the pitch is kind of like sulking a wee bit. So I, th- I think he'll be stripped of the captaincy. And we've well, got no, you know, we don't know, firstly, what he's on now. We don't know what we've offered. Maybe it is a completely derisory offer, and we don't know that he is sulking. You know, you know, this is all conjecture. So, 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just fascinated to know where he thinks he's going to end up. Maybe you know, maybe he's got a deal lined up because he's been allowed to talk to clubs for the last six months, and you know, maybe he's going to get an amazing championship move, and that you know, the joke will be on us. But I'm I'm really interested to see the other the other thing that came out of the um, the Les and Ramsey discussion, which I, I hadn't quite got clear in my mind, was that the brightest say Samuel thing assuming he doesn't sign a new contract and does stay to the end of his current one, he doesn't actually leave for free next summer because of his age. We would be able to to get compensation. And I've, so I've been spending my week reading up on how they actually decide that and how much money we might be able to, to get for that because it doesn't look like he's going to sign, does it? No, but the, the, what, what is that, Clive? Does it normally favour the buying club or the selling club or a bang in the middle? Uh, there's an article, if you if you Google... There's a there's an article that was written when Danny Ings went to Liverpool from Burnley was out of contract, um, but but under 24, uh, and it's to do with all sorts of things like time spent at club and uh, independent assessment of his worth and and that was apparently that was bumped up because Liverpool had offered X but Tottenham had offered more than that which meant the tribunal went slightly higher. It's really really complicated. Um, yeah, you wouldn't get as much as the players actually you would think is worth. Mm, that worries me. Um, let's talk about games. I know we'll, we'll probably more will emerge this week, and we'll probably do more of a preview later in the week. This is almost like that book you, you've been reading a book, and you've had it by the side of your bed. And you haven't picked it up for months, and you're sort of opening it up in the middle, and you're trying to refresh your memory on what came before and what's going to come after. Where so we're unbeaten in six. Let's not forget that. Um, what, what does everyone think about like a week's time it comes back Where what's everyone thinking hoping for I mean it's going to be I mean just we've got I mean we've got Barnsley and Charlton to start which is about as, as good a start as you could have but I just think so it's so much of it's up in the air and the six matches unbeaten and what I just I think that's almost completely irrelevant um it will be a fitness exercise as much as anything it'll I think it'll look like sort of a, almost a pre-season friendly in in pace and quality of play I think you'll see a lot of players going down with cramp and things like that after 60 minutes so I, I don't think the standard will be particularly high I'll take any kind of win against Barnsley next week I think you know they've got a lot to play for and it's going to be more difficult than I think people give it credit for um I've, I've got to be honest, I am struggling to get excited about it. I know everyone says, oh, it's great that football's coming back and whatever. But, you know, football for me is about so much more than that That 90 minutes and 11 v 11. You know, it's it's about everything that goes with it and seeing people and the, you know, the day and the pub and the social aspects around it and the being in the ground. So, you know, watching football on, watching football on television has never, you know, really interested, you know, if I wanted to follow Liverpool or Man United on the television, I could easily do that. It just, it's always been a distinct second best. I appreciate why we need to do these nine games and get it out of the way, but I am, I am struggling to, to get excited about streaming nine games of football into my living room. I've got to be honest. It's also just the, the way that they're going to be like, even just the way that they're, they're going to kind of come across with no fans as well is going to be really weird. Cause I've watched like some of the, games so far without fans whether it's in Germany or you know some some clubs have been streaming their behind closed doors friendlies but um it's just weird like it's just not the same it's like I've watched 
you know, some of the under 23 games when we've played in Loftus Road, when it's like, you know, a weekday 2 p.m. and you're at work and the, the club are like, oh, do you want to watch, you know, under 23s play Millwall? And I'll be like, yeah, why not? I'll just have it on the background. And that's, you know, it's great because you get to see all the talent coming through or people coming back from injury. But it's not, you know, I'm not really emotionally invested in the game and there's no atmosphere and it's just a bit strange and it's trying to create that kind of, you know, that thrill, that tension, that drama, the excitement, everything when you haven't got any of that, you know, and also for us as well, there's nothing really at stake as well. So it's even, it's even harder to get psyched up in a good way because I would hate to have something at stake and then have to play the easy games like they are. But Isn't it interesting how football has spent the last 25 years at least pretty much showing contempt for the actual fans that come to the games? Um, uh, showing like much more preferential treatment to television audiences. I once had, oh, I don't mind saying here, I once had a conversation with uh, the Liverpool shirt sponsor through work and he said, we we don't care about UK based fans. That's not our market. We we like it's all about overseas fans who watch us through the TV, and that they've got this product that they thought was all about global audiences, and it turns out it's not very good without the fans who are in the ground well, who, who they make pay to come. Well, look, I, I let them never sell us a. a tire or a hamburger or a can of coke under the the nonsense that football without fans is nothing ever again because when when push came to shove they went without us you know so it's actually football without television money is is nothing and the football without fans is nothing stops it seems at about 12th in league one below that football without fans is nothing and above that football without television money is nothing i find it that when Mark Warburton came on, he said it really well. Like, football's very good at saying, oh, we can't do that. You know, we've never done that before. We can't do that. We can't do that. We've never done this before. But we've never had a pandemic before. So I completely get why we have to play these nine games like this and get it out of the way and we've got to suck it up. But like I say, I am, I am struggling to get excited about it. It's more than I mean, these nine games though, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, I, I wouldn't... St- I personally, I wouldn't start a season without, without the fans being back in. Um, I get why we have to do these nine games, but I wouldn't be rushing to start a season where you without fans. I just I've, but... I've seen some stuff on Twitter today, um, but I think it's all just speculation about you know national league proposals, and obviously it's easier when you're in much smaller grounds. Um, you know, rumours that there's going to be a twenty five percent capacity, basically, so that people can spread out across the ground. Um, so I have no idea whether that's something the EFL contemplating, but how are you going to police that? How are you going to say, you know, oh, you, you know, this, this group can come in for the game against, you know, Millwall, then the next 25 can come in for the home game v you know, Barnsley or whatever. Like, it's just, it's impossible. And I feel like we're in this situation, you kind of got to go all or nothing, um, and in a ground in a ground like ours as well. I mean, you know, yeah, Reading, so Reading has been doing that anyway. But you know, in a ground Ooh. like ours, it would be very tough. Yeah, you but, could do that in a modern ground where everything is also, you know, designed. It, you know, the concourses are much bigger. The toilet facilities aren't falling apart. You know, everything is everything is card only or whatever. But in a ground like ours and many other grounds in the football league, that is not going to work. Um, and I, mm. you know, I don't expect to be in an office working again until at least 2021. So if that's the situation with kind of like 
you know, offices and, and that, that sort of environment, then what does football think it's going to be able to do at the start of, you know, a new season potentially in September, trying to cram people into that space? It can't be done because you're going to have to draw lotteries and do this and do that. And some will say, well, I haven't missed a game since 1925. And that's a fair point. And it's going to set supporters against supporters. Because I don't think there's going to be anyone who will say they haven't missed a game since 1925. Okay. Bad example. They'll be dead. I get what you mean. You don't know. They're like, all right. Since 19, oh God, I'm all, all right, since 1969 then when I was born, all right? Um, but yeah, and it, it wouldn't be fair to ask fans to, to choose between family members who goes and who doesn't go and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, but Clive's made a brilliant point. Like football, Sky can never say football without fans is nothing and nor can half the teams because we, we don't own the scale of things matter. We matter to teams like ours. And team well, exactly, and there you yeah. go. Exactly. If 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 Sky want to make next season happen, it's going to happen whether the fans are there or not. Well, I think Clive's point as well about lower than League One and lower is is um, a really good one because these top two leagues will kind of muddle through, even if the quality takes a hit, even if wages go through the floor. The TV deals mean that they'll muddle through, but the lower leagues. And particularly non-league, it's sort of it's it's mission critical really for them. We um we kind of we we I, I know and uh, I think he's a National League South player, and he says he's been told that he doesn't think football's coming back before October at the earliest. Yeah, because um, I don't see I don't see if you're a non-league club or a League Two club how you play without opening the gates to fans because just bringing the you know to play a game you have to bring your staff and your players. They've furloughed the players as well. You know, you have to bring them all back and pay them without people coming to yeah. me. I just don't see how that works. Um, I've heard one thing. There's a great, there's a great spreadsheet that some guys put together on Twitter, which I'll share today. Um, and he's mocked up the 25% thing, and he's calculated all the loss of revenue, which obviously we know as you get lower is much bigger. And you know, per week for someone like Dulwich Hamlet, who's obviously one of the most popular teams in the in the National League, sell out you know all the time. They're, they're looking at losing potentially up to twelve grand a week, which is which wow. is crazy. I, I have heard one theory, which I have no idea is true or not, which is the bailout for the lower league teams will come from the Premier League, but the price of that will be academy and B teams going into leagues one, league two, national league. Which well, oh, I, I mean, I, I'm, they know where they can shove that idea. Frankly, I'd ra- I'd rather the lower divisions go semi professional than that. That's I think the problem is that from what from what I've heard is that the government aren't going to touch anything now in terms of sport bailouts. Getting the um, rugby league bailout was extremely tough, but they got it because you know they need those votes in the north and and they owe them something. So they managed to get the rugby league bailout across the line, but no other sport should be expecting anything from the government. So they're now everyone's looking to the Premier League basically to say you need to help us out. And they, you know, any any aid they do give comes with uh, caveats. I wonder, I wonder if it's an idea that you could actually have a virtual crowd where you pay per game to the club. Or they've done, they've done that in, um, in, in they've done that in Denmark, but I don't think you pay. I think it is just like a Zoom, and they're using some some kind of like tech to put people in the stands. But I think it's free. I don't think you pay to be there. Because that, that would keep clubs going, and it's an idea. I mean, I, you know, I mean, 
I know there's a thing on Twitter where everyone's saying, I don't want my money back for season ticket. And we all, I think everyone pretty much went for that, probably, I'd imagine. So you've got to keep your clubs going. But it's, it's so tricky because like I've signed, I never buy a programme, but I was signed up for the programme thing just to help put some money back into the club. And if people keep doing things together, but then we've only got so much cash as well. And, and so many people are going to be unemployed after this. It's, it's going to be really, really hard. I don't think people realise until it's over how hard it's going to hit everything, including football. Is just going to be a, a side product of that as well? The Aussie, rugby, the Aussie Rugby League came back and uh, you could, I think you could pay $20 to have a cardboard cut out of yourself in your seat, um, oh, which uh, it looked quite weird, but uh, I, I literally lasted one week before Dominic Cummings and Harold Shipman turned up at a game. So they've had to, get, they've had to sort of redress the... Uh, have a, have a look at it again, shall we say? I think what's really interesting, um, and you know, Clive, you obviously you follow rugby league, and they're already, you know, Australia, New Zealand are already miles ahead of England in the kind of international standings. But something I've been thinking about for for women's sport, and obviously this will make a difference in sports like cricket as well, is because of how far ahead they are in Australia, New Zealand, in terms of controlling the pandemic. New Zealand, you know, easier because they have a very small population the international sport is going to get so much further ahead because they've got basically a year on everyone else to play games, you know, domestically. I know we're not an international sports podcast, so we're kind of going off piece here, but in the grand scheme of things, like their cricket teams, their rugby league teams, their rugby union teams are having a year ahead of everyone else, netball, to to train. I mean, international rugby league is a bit of a joke anyway. Um, And like you you mentioned the government bailout there, that... that, um, the, the clubs up there without people coming through the gates are, are basically dead overnight. So, I mean, they, they didn't need that money. Um, just, I think it's a million quid per club and whatever, which is, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that, that'll keep that sport sport going. Um, let's, let's take it back to the fixtures. I know there's so many factors. It's going to be so different, but we are six, only six points off the playoffs and because no one knows what's going on and how it's going to be, anything could happen, couldn't it? And the fixtures are very, in theory, depending on what state the clubs come back in, the teams come back in, our fixtures are very favourable. Um, I think let's look and see next week with the Barnsley and Charlton games. Like I said, you couldn't really pick two better games to be starting with in theory. Let's see how they go. If, if we were to put six points on the board next week, it's very on QPR-like. Then you've got to you've got to look at it and say, well, hang on a minute here. Um, but let you know, I'm just I'm interested to see what sort of state we come back in and and how those two games play out because we just you, don't know. The fixtures on paper are favourable and June is favourable, but what isn't necessarily favourable is the geography. And I was uh, I was looking at this, and this is I don't know what exactly the details are, but I understand that you have to travel on the same day. I think you have to, to all games, and I think you have to travel by road. Maybe not, but we have a trip to Middlesbrough and a trip to Wigan within three days of each other in July. Yeah, Wigan, Wigan midweek as well doesn't help. But yeah, I don't think you can stay over and things like that. That that's that's not not ideal. <laughs> yeah, I guess it just goes to show that anything could could happen with this. You just don't know what you're going to get. The I fact that Barnsley are rock bottom and we are unbeaten in six means nothing next week because it's it's a new season all over again. Well, we've already lost five three. We've already lost five three to Barnsley once when everything was normal. So you you, you know what we're like. Any you, anything could happen at the best of times, and this isn't the best of times. Uh, thank God for that wee last line there, Claire, because you worried me with your wee bit of optimism there. Like, oh, we've got favourable fixtures. 
said no one ever won a QPR shirt. No, you know, we, we have. Most, I know we are, but that's what we're at most dangerous to lose. I hate it when we're favourites. I absolutely hate it. It, it. it drives me mental because I get really... Yeah, I, I, let's wait and see. Uh, you know what? Someone did a predicted thing the other day, didn't they? We finished sixth, and then yeah. that would mean we'd get Fulham in the but playoffs. Even, even West Brom on the last day of the season, which at the moment looks dire, you know, they could have been promoted a week or two before that. They could, you know, be pissed up and on the beach by then. So, that you know, that could be a great game to have right at the end. So, we, you know, we, we've got to wait and see. I get, Like I say, I'm going to see what the Barnsley game looks like and what we look like in it before I sort of get ahead of myself. Because we we just don't know what that what how we're going to shape up, do we? How fit we're going to be? Well, apparently you know, Hugel's been carrying injury, hasn't he, Clive, for quite a while? So that'd be interesting. Well, he had an operate. He had an operate. He's carrying a lot of hair. He had an operate. He had an operation. Um, he was he was playing through the pain and has had an operation during the lockdown. So in theory, he should be coming back in better shape than he went out in. As, as, is Paul, has Paul Smith come back? No, he's, no, they've confirmed players. that he's staying at Wickham for their playoff. Right, uh, okay, Ga- cool. Gareth Ainsworth and Paul Smith against Joey Barton. I mean, my word. I, I know who I'm backing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, the wee man. Um, the sort of start to draw it to a close, what, what um, other bits have we missed out on? I, uh, Someone I work with lives right next door to Loftus Road or the Kind Prince Foundation Stadium. And this week they were testing out crowd noise, goal celebrations, that kind of thing. Oh, so yes, it, looks, it looks like um, they will be piping in crowd noise. Yeah, they, heard, they, had, um, they had a visual and sound effects company go in there a week or so back to fit speakers around the stands and, and test various things out. I don't know if every club's doing it, but... Um, yeah, QPR have had a company to come and fit the stadium out and test various things. I guess you've got to ask the players whether they want that and how they feel about it. I've offered to record some Keith Stroud material for them. <laughs> I think it's better than nothing. I'd rather have that than silence. It made a difference in the La Liga games, I think. Mrs. Brown's voice keeps getting recommissioned on that basis of faked <laughs> laughter and entertainment, doesn't it? Well, what we should do, we should we should put together as a podcast. Now, you guys might not agree with this. I want the cardboard cutout of Clive standing up with his hands in the air. Just every time the referee does something wrong, they flick a switch and up pops Clive with his hands in the air. Because that's all I ever see from his seat is him demonstrating with a referee. So we want that sort of thing. The other, I mean, the other loose end in all of this is is the loan extensions, which we've agreed with Hugel and Amos. But Jack Clark did play for us against West Ham, but that deal hasn't as yet been extended and obviously it's I think not been it the will. most but it's not been the most successful loan that we've we've ever done it did seem a strange one at the time in, in a position we weren't short on so that one as yet hasn't been extended but well, I think we're going to need numbers Clive I mean the thing is we're going to have five subs I mean just what Dave mentioned about the travelling and stuff we're going to have to really be flexible with the squad and it's better to have an extra body surely on board yeah, no, I mean, also, no, ga- no games for three months and then nine games in basically six weeks and two long distance trips as yeah, I mean the thing so with Clark. Someone said on our WhatsApp in the week. I think with Clark, he's got to put himself in the shop window, hasn't he? Flo, he's he's, he's, he's not going to make it at Tottenham. Let's be honest, is he? So he's really got to put himself in the shop window. Maybe that's it'd be a good wake-up call for him. I don't know. I mean, that whole thing was just silly, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing. <laughs> listen, I'm looking forward to seeing Ezzy, Bray, Samuel, and Cher start again, and I'm looking forward to that. 
And I'm looking forward to seeing what, what happens, you know, with, with the fact there isn't the correct. I mean, home, home advantage, I think something like the Bundesliga, only 22% of teams have won the home games. That is and true, but I that is true. I think it's, it's more almost 50% of the winners in Bundesliga have been the away teams. But if you look at Bundesliga 2, the, the division below, it's it's absolutely still 40% home wins, 40% oh, really? draw okay. and 20% away. So it might just be a a weird quirk of the fixtures in the Bundesliga that, you know, Bayern and Dortmund and teams like that have been winning away, which has skewed the stats. It's going to be weird, though, isn't it, lads? I mean, and, 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 and everything else and, and seeing things that you're not normally seeing and stuff and hearing players talk. It's just going to be really, 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 really strange. I'm not actually, you know? I'm not looking forward to it at all and I just want to get it out of the way, if, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, because it just doesn't feel right. You know, football's about being there for me. But Flo, when you say about Radio London doing games, how is that going to work for interviewing players and managers and stuff like that? Are it's they, so are they complicated. I've got, I had, I got sent like a, you know, super long and um, confusing PDF from the Premier League on what the Premier League's plans are uh, in terms of like red zones, green zones, amber zones, who's who's allowed in whatever zone. Um, it's complicated because at the moment there's going to be five spots. Um, as far as I'm aware, for radio. But that includes uh, the clubs, so um, the club's own, you know, commentary. It, um, it also includes um, local, so potentially home and away local, and, you know, five live or talk sport, whoever the rights holder is for that game. So that's five spots that could be, you know, 10 people fighting for. Mm. And so they're thinking that maybe there won't be a summariser, they'll just be you know, one person doing commentary or reporting on their own. And then the other issue is that because of there's so many kickoff times, um, whoever's back in the studio, there's, you know, obviously social distancing rules wherever the studio is. So in the case of BBC London, you know, with split kickoff times, there'll be someone doing drive or whatever show. And then there'll be, there'll be another guy in the studio who's doing the football program. But because of social distancing, you know, it's hard to have that all going on in the back end as well. So it's so overly complicated and they haven't really worked it out yet. And obviously we've only got a few days to go. So I think the problem is, is that like we know, no one's ever done this before. So EFL, Premier League, whoever, they're still working it out. But I think there's going to be a lot of limitations on the post-match. I think it's going to be probably limited to one person doing it. And obviously in the Premier League's case, they've got their own production company, so they'll get vetoed. You know, they'll get to do everything and I have no idea how it'll work, really. It's all very confusing. Mm. Um, Anything else, guys, before we finish up? Yeah, I mean, like, not to sort of hijack it and and go all more with sentimentality because that's that's Finney's job, but we we did have... um, we had some really sad news in the in the week on Tuesday that, that Jerry, the landlord at the Crown and Scepter, died very very suddenly on uh, uh, on Tuesday morning, which has, has hit a lot of us really hard. And and straight away, just thoughts and uh, and everything else to his lovely wife Catherine. You know, Jerry's a larger than life character, and to lose somebody like that from your life at this difficult time and and so suddenly, I just can't imagine what she's going through. So, um, you know, thoughts thoughts with her straight away. Um, I, I, I hope it isn't. It doesn't prove to be the perfect storm. You know, the pandemic and losing the landlord. Fuller's start looking at that pub as a nice bit of real estate rather than a rather than a pub because 
you know, we've lost too many good pubs in, in Shepherd's Bush over the last 10, 15 years as the demographic of the area has changed and we've got quite enough flats for rich people there. So, you know, I hope the pub gets through. I hope Catherine gets through. You, you, we go in pubs all the time, don't we? And, you know, I go in the one round the corner from my house every couple of weeks and I go in Mabel's Tavern in King's Cross every couple of weeks and you wouldn't be able to pick the landlord out of a lineup. But Jerry was an old-fashioned landlord. You know, he was always, he'd stand at the end of the bar, he ran a really tight ship there. The service in that place, even when it's three deep at the bar, is just absolutely immaculate. Kind word and a, the world's firmest handshake for anyone that came through the door. You know, you were his customer, but also made you feel really, uh, really valued and, and loved and welcome in his in his pub. And yeah, always asked about QPR and how we were getting on. And, you know, if you ever said a oh, bit of a tough week at work or, you know, mum's not very well or whatever, you go in there two weeks later, you straight across, how's work? How's your mum? You know, he remembered everyone that went in there and, you know, my group, you know, all roads, whether we've had the amazing highs in my group and some terrible lows as well, all roads have always led back to the crown on a Saturday, you know, when we get round each other and celebrate the highs and commiserate the lows together. And Jerry was just an absolute massive part of that. You know, he's become a very dear friend over the last 10 years. We've had wedding receptions there and all sorts. So that was just desperate news on, on Tuesday to hear that. Um, it's been a, a thoroughly shit year and um for for me and and my friends that that was easily the the shittiest part of it and you know i i know there's a lot of people feel the same because you would see him on a saturday you'd go around the table all the tables in there and shake everyone's hand and ask how they were um like i say old-fashioned landlord and a really tremendous fella um and we're, we're gonna we're all gonna miss him terribly so you know what can you say you know rest in peace and yeah not the best year the thing is about the um, people who get the crown set as well, it lost its way for a while, didn't it, Clive? And became a non-QPR-type pub, even though it was associated with the club for years. And I think Jerry brought that back. I mean, I remember the first time I met him, I did what I used to do, which is insult people and had a bit of a laugh. And that went a bit wrong, and he didn't ban me, thank God. Um, but yeah, yes, I think, I, think, I think the first time you met him, you told him to fuck off because he was from Galway. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> yeah, he didn't eat. He didn't take it as a joke. <laughs> yeah, it took me about six weeks to apologise for that one. You were joking. Yeah, but he's a lovely fella. He looked like he played rugby in his life. He was massive, wasn't he? And he you know, it's just, it's horrible. Listen, with, with COVID and everything else, everyone that we're, we're sending this podcast out to is going to know someone that hasn't come back in 2020. It's been a shit year. And let's hope that, you know, people remember Jerry properly and he gets a decent send-off and the pub stays as it is because, as Clive said, we don't need another either another really trendy pub excludes everyone or we just need to pub stay the same but that, that I'm sure that's the least of the family's worries at the moment yeah obviously yeah. obviously thoughts with the family but yeah and and thoughts with the pub as well you know you just you take these if you've got a support network like that and it's just a constant in your life and you just always assume that it will be there I don't I you know I'm probably not explaining it myself very well but no you are however bad things have got for for any of us you know, it's always, well, well, we'll get in the crown on Saturday and we'll talk it through. And you just assume that it's always going to be there. Like I always, you know, I always assumed my dad was going to be there and I always assumed we'd go in the gold orc and I always assumed that we'd just be in the crown on Saturday and Jerry would be there. If you told me in, in February that you're not going to be in this pub for seven, eight months, maybe ever again. And when you do get back there, Jerry's not going to be there. I just would have looked at you gone out because I'm there every week and it's, it's part of, life and support network and to to have that taken away so abruptly and just you know you get a text message on tuesday and that's it you know he's gone 
you just the last time I saw it, just quick look over my shoulder and wave across the bar on my way out against Birmingham. You know, see you next week, and you just it's tough. I don't I I don't know what to say really. It's it's really hit a lot of us very hard, and like I said, I just hope Catherine's okay. Right. Do you know if there's any um, kind of um, fundraiser or anything for Catherine or for the pub? I don't. Or for- uh, I don't. I haven't. I haven't heard. We took some flowers down on Tuesday, and I know the club have, have been really good and, and got straight in touch with them and whatever. But I, I haven't. I haven't heard anything like that. If I do, I'll put it on my Twitter. Yeah, I was going to say because obviously we know how much these things cost for families to to do funerals, and also um, the financial hit that the the pub's definitely taken as a result of of coronavirus. So I'm sure if there's any way that people can support, they would really want to. So if anyone does hear of anything or any kind of just giving or whatever, then let us know and we can I'll put it yeah if I hear anything, it a promo. I'll, put it on, I'll put it on my Twitter if I hear anything, but I, I haven't so far. I don't know how um anyone follows that. Finney, I'm sure you had you look like you had something final to finish off with. No, I'm just I'm just making my way slowly to the toilet after three cups of coffee. Oh, um thanks for that. And um, but no, I, I just want like, listen. We, we know it's different times. I just want everyone to sit behind their computer screen, their phone next week, and make passion count. How? There's going to be no fix exactly. I mean, this is rude <laughs> me. I mean, normally it's my bit where I say, let everyone get there. We make some noise and we do this and we do that. I'm, I'm rocking. Yeah. So um, yeah. <sighs> That they're probably fun. actually they're probably on that there probably does need to be some kind of way of sending good luck messages solidarity messages we're with you to to the team ahead of saturday well, to, kind to be of, fair the series that i think the flag behind the goal with um the lad that died from covid um dean mckee um will, will, will be enough to, yes. to inspire anyone I mean, flag, enough. Yeah. That, looks, that looks great doesn't it i saw that yesterday and well done to um, the QPR fans that did that. I think it was returning the loft as past glory people that did that. And that, that is a really, really, really wonderful thing to do and um, makes you proud. And the club have appealed for other flags. Anyone else that wants to have a flag on display to um, send it down there, which, yeah, I think is one of those things that can help, will help. Okay, I've got the public announcement here. For those Northern Irish listeners, that's get your flags out. Yes, that worked. To both of them, I've got actually. I've got a flag. Believe it or not. <laughs> okay, I thought you might. <laughs> <laughs> no, Claire, have you got one? It's like my, mine's going to say, "I'm not from W12 to do a podcast in a marriage." Not aimed at anyone in particular. But um, <clears throat> David, have you got a flag? The only flags I have are like the two that they gave you on the or the one per seat that they gave you at the playoff final, and they're the ones that I've taken. I've taken flags from the club that are here rather than having created one. Flo, surely your family has made their own flag. Surely, no. Oh, go on. There's enough for no, we just like just like David. We've only got the freebies. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe we should make we're a big cheap, podcast flag with cheapskates. Why don't we do a podcast flag? No. No. No, thank you. Uh, Finney, go to the loo. <laughs> Let's end this thing now. Yeah, uh, I've heard that before. Thanks, all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, 
yeah, we will be back. We'll be back. We'll try and work out some kind of season preview, like I say, before the game on Saturday. Um, yeah, and we'll be back. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. It's been Open All Ours. UPR. UPR.